uh, <laughs> and we have this great benefit now, <clears throat> as opposed to last week, I get to preach this twice. So by now I got it down, right? So you guys are getting like the worked up version. This is the, the good version, right? So, uh, so our story this morning continues our series, Soak the City. Um, if you remember, when we started this series, the whole idea is to soak our city with Jesus, to get as much Jesus injected into our city as possible. And so uh, what we're doing is we're looking at how Jesus interacts with people when he goes to Jerusalem, the place that throughout scripture is sort of like the city of God, right? It's, it's where the temple was at. It's where, where God's people called home. And so uh, two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus' first encounter uh, when he's in there flipping tables in the temple. You guys remember that? right? Some of you are watching online, right? So, so Jesus' first encounter, he goes in, he's flipping tables, he's making a mess. And then his second encounter, right after he's done with that, is his encounter with Nicodemus, which is what we talked about last week. And we talked about the need of being born again, that who we are, who we are born as, doesn't matter nearly as much as what we look like when we're born again, right? How many times do we hear the phrase, like, I'm born this way, right? I think it's purposeful that Jesus said to be born again, that who we are should be made new when we meet Jesus. So this week, we find ourselves in a brand new encounter. This, this new encounter is a, a separate time. Sometime later, it says, uh, Jesus comes back for one of those feasts that I mentioned two weeks ago. So Jesus is back in the city, and it says he's at this pool named Bethesda. Now, this pool, it doesn't tell you in this one, uh, but in another telling, in another gospel of this exact one, it explains that this pool had these sort of magical, mythical powers connected to it. The idea was, and the belief in that time was, in the early morning, the first person to step foot in the pool would be healed. But only the first person, right? So it's a very specifically ruled magical water, right? So... So the first person, it was believed, would be healed each morning. And so it says the sick and the lame would gather naturally, right? Because when you're sick and you're in need, where are you going to find yourself? At the doctor, right? The place where you can find healing. Okay, unless, unless you're a little bit like me, in which case you put off doing that until you've tried every last other resort so you don't have to go to the hospital. You don't have to go to the doctor, right? All the wives are looking at their husbands. I see it, right? Okay, so... So the sick would find themselves at this pool because they believed that if I could just be the first one, right? If it could just be me today, I'm going to be healed. And so we find this guy that they call an invalid, which basically just means he wasn't able to walk. He wasn't able to, to, to maneuver himself into the pool. And it says that he had been that way for 38 years. My goodness, 38 years. And it doesn't tell us how many of those 38 that he, he would sit next to the pool dreaming of the day when it could be him. Dreaming of the day that it could be him that gets healed instead of the other people muscling and shoving into the pool. For 38 years, he waited and he waited and he waited. For 38 years, people would walk by him. Right? Because he's, he's been there a while. <laughs> Okay, doesn't say it's been the whole 38. It could have been, but we know he's been there a while. It's sort of implied here. So for a long time, this guy sat next to this pool, which he believed could heal him. And he never got in, never got in. And, and for that same amount of time that he sat next to the pool, people would walk by 
Every day, people would walk by. They'd walk and they'd walk. And never did somebody stop to ask the guy if he needed any help. Can I help you get into the pool? Never until Jesus. So Jesus notices this guy. And he asks him a very curious question. He asks the guy, he says, do you want to get well? That seems like a pointless question at face value, right? Has anybody in this room ever been sick and didn't want to be better? <laughs> right? Nobody likes to be sick. Okay, now, obviously, there are exceptions, right? Because sometimes we kind of just want to sit in our misery for a while. But for the most part, nobody actually wants to be sick. But Jesus asks him, do you want to be well? And his answer is very interesting. His answer is not, well, yes, of course I do. Right? Because that's what most of us are going to say if somebody asks us if we want to be healed. Well, sign me up. No, his answer is, sir, I don't have anybody to help me get into the water. And so everybody else gets in first and I never get in. I don't have anybody to help me. And when I first read this passage, I thought, man, that guy really doesn't get it. Like, he has the, the Son of God standing in front of him. And his answer is not, yes, please, touch me or something, make me better. His answer was, I don't have anybody. Nobody's going to help me into that pool over there. And at first I thought, what a silly answer. Why, why, would, why would that be the answer? Why would your answer be, well, I, sure, I'd love to be better, but nobody's going to help me into the water. But then I thought, you know what? Why shouldn't that be his answer? Why, why should a guy who, who is sitting there for years, why, why would he not have somebody in one of the most, I mean, you're talking about Jerusalem. Like, this is the most religious place on the planet. And for years he sat and nobody helped him into the pool. So first I thought it was a silly question. Then I thought, why would he even have to ask it? You know, I, I think of the, the story that Jesus tells of the guy who's, who's beaten on the side of the road and, you know, the priest walks by and, and the religious people walk by and it's the Samaritan who stops and helps the guy. And I wondered, you know, in Jerusalem, there, and especially during this season when it's, it's, it's a feast season and people have things to do and places to be, if we just didn't notice, like the religious people just didn't notice him because they were so preoccupied with what they needed and what they wanted they didn't even notice a guy who had been, who'd been laying there for 38 years didn't even phase him. And I thought of how, how relational following Jesus is, right? I thought back to even in, in the book of Genesis when he says that it's not good for man to be alone. We, we were built to help each other. And in this moment, for those years, all the guy needed was for somebody to come along and lift him up and put him in the pool. And nobody did it. Nobody. And so Jesus changes things. <laughs> Jesus, he doesn't fault the guy for not asking. He doesn't, he doesn't tell the guy he has to perform a certain thing or do a certain thing or believe a certain thing. He just says, get up and walk. Right? Get up and walk. And I wonder to myself how different the world would look if 
If we spent more time in the church focusing on healing and restoring people's lives, no matter what they believed, no matter what they had to offer us, no matter what we, what we thought of the way they lived their lives, if we just went around healing and restoring in every place we found, what would the world look like then? Because Jesus did not ask this guy to, to believe a certain thing in order to be healed. He didn't ask this guy. He didn't even ask him to follow him. He just saw a hurt person, a need that he could meet, and he healed him. So what's interesting in this story is that Jesus, this guy, has actually this encounter with the stereotypical religious people in the stories that Jesus tells. So this guy picks up his mat, which, I mean, we think of like a little yoga mat, right? But mat is like bed, right? So don't think of guy with a little rolled up yoga mat. Think of guy with like twin-sized mattress on his shoulder, right? And so he's got this mattress and he's walking through town and it says it was the Sabbath. Now, the problem here that arises is that the Sabbath, the Sabbath was a day, if you remember, the day that God set aside for us to rest. He said, take one day to rest, <laughs> right? So the problem was, the religious people would take that one step further and they say, well, what is rest, right? Define work. What does it mean to work? So they would set rules. For example, there were only so many steps you were allowed to take on a Sabbath day, <laughs> right? Now, today, I have a Fitbit, so that'd be really easy for me. I go, oh, I got five steps left, <laughs> right? But think about it. This is Jesus time, right? So every Sabbath, you got people go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, shoot, how do I get home now, right? There was a certain number of steps you were allowed to take on the Sabbath because anything more was work. The problem in this story is there was a certain amount of weight that you were allowed to carry before it became work, <laughs> And apparently, carrying a bed on your shoulder is too much. So the religious leaders look at this guy and they say, why are you carrying that on the Sabbath? What is wrong with you? And the guy says, well, that guy who healed me told me I should carry it. Here's what's interesting in their response. In their response, they don't notice that he's got healed. They said, well, who told you to carry it? Right? They don't care in the slightest that this guy got healed, that his whole life was just transformed, that after 38 years of being an invalid, he's walking around with a mattress. <laughs> they didn't care at all because what they cared about was their rule got broke. And what we have is this interesting little dynamic between Jewish, the Jewish leaders and Jesus, between the letter of the law versus the heart of the law. Because the letter of the law said, you can't carry this much stuff on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, look, the heart of the law, the Sabbath was made to help you. The Sabbath wasn't made to be a hindrance. The Sabbath was made to help, to heal, to restore. It was made for a purpose. But the religious, they didn't see it. Because what they saw was their way of doing things was being broken. They were so wrapped up in their religion so wrapped up in doing what they thought was right that they missed what was actually right. And I've, I've shared my thoughts on this over the last year of COVID, right? Because we have spent so much of the last year complaining because the way we did things wasn't even existing anymore. And yet the things in the gospel that really counted, loving people, 
healing people, bringing life where there is brokenness, none of that stopped. (laughs) In fact, it was more needed than ever. And so when we read this story, it's really easy to look at the religious leaders and be like, yeah, they didn't get it, right? They didn't get it. They were so concerned about the Sabbath and how they did it. They didn't get it, right? But then how have we spent the last year? Have we spent the last year healing and coming alongside the broken? Or have we, or have we spent it putting notes in my mailbox complaining because the building is closed? So this morning, what I want to encourage is this. In the seats next to you, right? Take, take a quick look around, all right? Look at the people next to you, okay? Just real quick. In the seats next to you, there is not a single person in this room who is not in some way struggling, who is not in some way incomplete and broken, right? And if you don't want to admit that, that's fine. You don't have to, right? But what I know is that there are struggling people in this room. There are struggling people. There are a ton of struggling people the second you leave the doors. So many people you meet are struggling. Some of them are fighting battles you see and recognize, and it's really easy to notice. And others are fighting battles you'll never, ever see. But every person we meet outside of this place is fighting a battle. Everybody is in need of healing of some kind. And Jesus, in this story, he didn't care that it was the Sabbath and that it was going to tick off the religious leaders. All he cared was this guy needed somebody, and he was somebody. The invalid guy, he needed healing, and Jesus knew where to get it. So my, the, the challenge this week is very simple. I have a feeling that if you're here, you know where to get the healing. Right? We've, we've called, called God the great physician. Right? Because he does these amazing things, these miracles. Right? Pouring life into dry bones like the one song we sang this morning. Opening up the heavens like the other song. Right? And in our final song, you know, greater things are yet to come. That was straight from Jesus. He says, look, you're seeing all these cool things happen. Just wait. And what he was saying just wait for was this moment we live in right now. So if you are in this place this morning, you know the physician. You know the great healer. You know the person that brings answers when it doesn't seem like there are any. That brings wholeness and healing when it looks like brokenness and mess. We know that physician. And our responsibility as followers of Jesus is to be like Jesus in those moments. To notice when people have a need. And meet it. To heal in the places we can heal. And I'm not saying that you have to go to eight years of medical school and become a doctor, right? If you want to do that, please do. It's great, I'm sure. I'm glad to be done with school personally. What I'm saying is if you know Jesus, you know the person who brings healing. Why are, we not, why are we not laying hands on people? Why are we not praying for the sick? Right? What we do instead is somebody comes and says, hey, can you pray for me? And we're like, yes, I would love to pray for you. And then like three weeks later, we remember, oh no, I told that person I was going to pray for them and I never did. Right? 
Come on, I'm not the only one. You guys do that, right? Uh huh. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? So instead, what I've started doing is, if somebody has a need, I pray for them that moment. I, I, don't, I don't leave that moment until I have prayed, right? So, so if you're somebody who's ever texted me and said, hey, can you pray for this? I guarantee you I've prayed for it because I did it right then when I read that. <laughs> Sometimes I'll text back a prayer. Sometimes I'll call and pray. But I'm going to pray in that moment because I know the person who can meet the need. So why would I ever leave a moment where I have a need that I know Jesus can meet? Why would I leave that moment without trying to meet it? <laughs> why would we do that? And yet, how often do we do that? How often do we miss these moments where there's a person sitting before us who's been invalid for 38 years and we walk right by? No more. <laughs> no more. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this thing up, right? I'm going to wrap it up, okay? Because, and I'm going to leave you with this. The guy's complaint, the, the reason he said he couldn't be healed is because he didn't have anybody to take him to the pool. We all know what he really needed in this moment was Jesus, and Jesus happened to be there. So there's no reason that if you're, if you're part of this body, that you should ever be able to say, there's nobody to help me get to Jesus, Right? I don't want you to ever leave this building feeling like, I wish I could have had more, right? Like, I, I wish this could have happened, or I wish this could have happened, right? I wish somebody had taken me to Jesus. I don't want you to leave the building this morning feeling that nobody here would take me to Jesus. So what I want to do, I'm going to, well, in a moment, I will remask. I'm going to remask. We're going to go into a song, Battle Belongs, right, is what we're doing? So we're going to go into Battle Belongs, and I'm going to pray. And as we go into the song, if you need to be brought to Jesus this morning, whether you need uh, physical healing, if you've got uh, mental health struggles, uh, if, you are, if you are struggling because you're uh, spiritually, if you're struggling emotionally, I don't care how you're struggling. If you need to get to Jesus, I'm going to make sure that you get to the pool before you leave this place. Because we're not going to leave here with a single one of us thinking, if only somebody got me to the pool. I'm going to make sure you get to the pool this morning. If you've got a need, we're praying over it. Let me pray. God, we are so thankful that the people in this room are willing to take us to you. And we're thankful to know you, to know the God that can do anything. As our song put it earlier, God, nothing is impossible with you. So Lord, be with us now. Pour out your Holy Spirit in this place as we pray and as we take each other to Jesus. Lord, we want to see you poured out in each heart, in each mind, in each body. Lord, heal and restore this morning in the same way that you healed the 38-year-long struggle of this man. Lord, show up today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.